Alright guys, welcome to the first official episode of Senna's Shit Show. Um, some of you voted, some of you didn't, and I don't really care. I'm going to go with the people who did vote. And the people who did vote decided that they wanted to hear me talk today about sobriety. Um, it's actually a good day to be doing this. Today is November 13th, and um, the day that I officially decided that I wanted to be sober was August 13th. It was, um, I guess, four months, four months, no, three months ago? All of August, all of September, all of October. This will be my fourth month, so it's three months officially sober. Um, but in those three months, there was a lapse five weeks ago. Sorry about the yawn, guys. It's, it's like 10.09 p.m. I've just had the longest day. Um, but that's not what this is about. This is about sobriety, so let's get into it. I decided on August 13th that I just was done. One day I was like, I looked at my life and I saw how draining it was, how much, or rather how little control I had over myself, over my life, over the things that were happening and how I was reacting and how I was feeling, um, that I just didn't like the person that I would, you know, be with every day because that was me I was with myself and it just wasn't (sighs) it wasn't something I was proud of or enjoyed or felt good about anymore it wasn't something that I could keep convincing myself like okay yeah you know what it's not that bad I would say that I said that for so long um Let's start from the beginning. So, I had my first drink when I was 14 years old. I had hit my first vape. I never smoked cigs, but vaping was my, was my vice, was my nightmare that I could not let go of. Um, I started vaping when I was 15. Um... And weed, I started smoking at 16. So, throughout all those fundamental times of my life, when I should have been growing as a human being, I instead was numbing myself to the realities that I was supposed to be facing. Um, And the only person it harmed Well, actually, that's incorrect. I was going to say the only person it harmed was me. But in reality, it harmed everyone around me. My family, my friends. It took a huge toll. Um, And it took a toll on how I saw life, right? Because in those core development phases of my life where I should have been learning how to healthily cope and deal with the things that were going to eventually happen in my life or were already happening in my life I didn't and I resorted to numbing how I was feeling rather than feeling what I was feeling and the reason that I kind of wanted to make this episode um a joint episode of like you know not only um not only like sobriety but also mental health is because they both really play into each other um I I'll definitely have a whole other episode specifically talking about mental health stuff um but I I want to just touch on the fact that addiction is something that is most common in people who have their own set of things going on in their life um and they don't know how to cope healthily you know some people have an addiction of like 
working out and that it can be a healthy addiction it's like yeah get yourself going but when it gets to the point where like you're working out to the point that you pass out unhealthy um some people have addictions that are just like like one of my newest ones is caffeine and (sighs) I had my coffee early this morning and now it's worn off and now I'm feeling the effects of that but you know um even tv watching tv video games all these things when they start impairing your functionality and your your daily living that's when you know it's something more than just you know um it's not just a time killer at that point it is it's it has more control over you and your life than you have of it And that's the point that I got to with all of these things, with weed, with nicotine, with alcohol. Um, Actually, mainly my reason for um, quitting alcohol was that I didn't think it was smart uh, to mix that, a depressant with, although weed is also a depressant, with the issues that I already have. Um, We'll get into that later, if in this episode at all. But, um, okay, so drinking started off as, like, a let's give this a shot kind of thing. Like, okay, I've always been told no. I've always been told I'm not allowed to do this because culturally it's not acceptable. Um, and religiously it's not acceptable and blah, blah, blah. And so everything that someone said no, I was like, well, yes. (laughs) Like, yes, I, I will Um, and that's what I did. I really just let myself go down a rabbit hole. Um, it started off with drinking and then at 15, you know, I, I got myself in a pretty scary situation, um, with alcohol and I had to go to the hospital and I was, you know, thank God I was okay. Um, but it got to that point, right? And I was only 15 and it was a mistake. It was just a stupid mistake, but that kind of set me up for a while. Um, you know, like I, I had said, all right, I'm not going to drink. I'm just going to go abstinent from drinking. And, and I did, but for like a year or two, but then I definitely dipped into other vices next year I was um I used to be so adamantly against smoking and uh nicotine vaping and all that so I remember the specific instance I was like in the bathroom and a friend of mine was vaping and I was like stop don't do that that's you know you know you don't even know what's in that you don't know how bad that is for you like we know nothing about it And she was like, just take one hit. And boy, let me tell you, that hit hit. Like, it really, that hit changed everything. Um, It got me hooked. I was on and off for the next seven and a half years. Um, Yeah, I really couldn't let go of it. I, I, the one time that I, uh, wasn't vaping, like, really, was when I was in a relationship, which in itself was not healthy, um, but he was smoking cigarettes, and I was vaping, and so we had said, hey, let's, let's, like, I said, you need to quit smoking, he was like, you need to quit vaping, and the codependency in that relationship was crazy but relationships will be a whole other episode guys anyways the codependency was crazy um but that's what we did he quit smoking cigarettes and I quit vaping and um god that was rough but um anyways We did it for the wrong reasons. So as soon as that relationship ended, he went back to his vices, which were 
more than just that. And I went back to vaping, which was my main vice at that point. Um, and it was really, it was just, it was just pathetic, honestly, that I had done something for so long for the wrong reasons. And then as soon as that reason was gone, I said, fuck, screw, whatever. Am I swearing in these? I forget. Okay, whatever. Um, I said, fuck it. And I just, I just did. I just went back to bad habits. And, um, diminishing my own self-worth to be equated to not caring about my health not caring if I lived or died or what I was smoking or what I was putting into my body and I don't know and then I started and actually when I was in that relationship I had started smoking weed occasionally not like heavily but um it was like a one that was the first time I'd ever like had any form of marijuana and I think it we I first time was edibles um that was a whole thing and then once we broke up I really dove deep dove deep into the what you want what, what do you want to call it the ganja the marijuana you know my finsta name for a while was marijuana marijuana my name's sana not sana anyways um that's not my finsta anymore though if you if y'all go and look for it it's you're not gonna find it so don't go look for it anyways I deleted it I hope it's gone I really hope it's gone um but yeah so I really dove into that uh, my senior year of high school that became my my thing I would I was going to the bathroom I was hitting my dab pen I was hitting my vape I was constantly hitting something I was pretty much not sober for the majority of senior year um pretty much all of senior year um which wasn't even the worst um I think the worst got to when I went to college um so I I left my home my hometown my little my little safe bubble and I went across the country to California and I was in Orange County, and the school that I was at was, it wasn't a bad school, it wasn't, academically it was great, socially I just did not fit, I tried so hard to fit, and um, what I mean by that is, let's put it in perspective, my freshman year, I came to the school having $3,500 in my savings account. Um, By the end of my freshman year, it was zero because I spent all that money on weed, on alcohol, on nicotine, on things trying to get myself to be liked, to be cool enough, to be awesome enough, to have enough friends to try and fit in with money that I didn't have because I was already we were already paying an arm and a leg for me to go there and it was it was insane um but I was doing that because I so desperately wanted that approval and to people please because that's an issue that I have and I'm working on people pleasing so I, uh, I did my thing, I, I kind of fell into it with, uh, not all of the best people, but also not all terrible people, I still have a handful of amazing friends that I made at that school that I hold so near and dear to my heart, um, shout out JoJo, and, um, shout out Justin, those are really the main ones. And Emily, but I don't really talk to Emily that much. But anyways. Yeah. Um, and Hannah. I miss Hannah. But 
I don't talk to her much either. Anyways, that's not the point. The point is, yeah. Oh, and Nicolette. Fuck, I love Nicolette. I made a handful of amazing friends there. That's what I'm trying to say right now. Um, but the bad definitely outweighed the good and the toll it took on my mental health. Like, I was... My smoking went from, like, hitting a dab, like, a few times a day to... I wake up in the morning and I take dabs. I take literal dabs. I go to class high as a kite. I come home. I drink a whole thing of wine. I go out I drink a whole bottle of pink Whitney it was bad it was really not good for me and I spent so much money on nicotine and all this stuff. it was just <sighs> college culture with these things made it so rough and I really just I dove head in because I was like you know first time let off the reins um being in a a desi or a brown household where you're not supposed to do anything so I really just let loose and I let loose um at the time I was also undiagnosed with a mental health issue that I'll get into in a different episode but um it took a it took a huge toll on that it really fed in and it got to the point where I was not well these things were really not affecting me well but I was doing them anyway because I didn't know any other way to cope I had that it was my learned behavior I had learned to numb when things got hard when things got bad which was freshman year all the time sophomore year a little less frequently but still pretty common because I was in Cali and I thought that was the culture and I just wanted to fit in so bad um but then oh god then my mom got cancer and oddly enough ironically enough it was lung cancer and woman has never smoked a day in her life She's never done anything a day in her life. My mom was literally from the age of 10 raised by nuns. <laughs> like, she is the most angel person you'll ever meet. Um, although you'll never meet her. But I live with her and she's she's my best friend. Um, so, But when she was diagnosed with lung cancer, I was actually in the process of trying to quit nicotine. I was like two weeks clean at that point. The day she was diagnosed, I said, fuck that, fuck everything, fuck life, who cares, I don't care, I don't care if I live or die, blah, 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 blah. catastrophizing and, like, totally not accepting what was going on. I didn't want to accept what was happening in my life, so I just went straight on back and, um, to, to vaping and weed and everything, um, And, bruh, I just was not, I did not handle it well. I ran straight back to California um, for the school year. Um, And I ended up leaving that school because I kind of got bullied out. But more than that, it was more than just a whole frat calling me an obese fucking whore. Um, Because they thought it was a funny joke. It was kind of that, and then me realizing, like, bro, one, I don't feel safe on this campus anymore. This campus is not a safe place for me, and if this is going to be my home, I need to feel safe here. And I just didn't. But more than that, I was looking at my life overall, and I was like, this is really sad. Like, I'm across the country. My mom is sick. I don't know what's going on. I I felt a lot of guilt that I wasn't there and I ran away because I didn't want to deal with my emotions which is essentially what I do with addiction whenever things got heavy or hard I ran away I would just go smoke I would just go drink I would just go hit a vape whatever um And it never, it never benefited me, guys. It really was, like, 
it was just a way to numb. It was just a way to not feel the things that I was feeling because I didn't realize how many feelings I had. And I didn't want to know how many feelings I had. I just didn't want to care. Um, but yeah, so when all this went down, it was my last semester. It was like, what, May 2021. I was my last semester at that school. And then I transferred to the school I'm at now um, in Boston. I spent my first semester of uh, school in Boston living in Boston. I knew a handful of people. I was still mad depressed. I still was not doing things healthily. I was smoking all the damn time. Oh my god, guys. 420 and Hempfest in the comments. <laughs> amazing elite top tier but this is not a promotion for those things this is supposed to be a and I'm not one of those people that's like fuck you if you smoke anyway like no bro do your what you're gonna do like I just <sighs> shit's changed for me um so then whatever I had my first semester in Boston I was really depressed I spent all my time alone in my um little studio smoking and drinking and numbing and depressed and somehow getting through my semester I don't know how which by the way I don't know how I'm gonna get through this semester um but we'll get to that so my first semester at the school that I'm at now was academically challenging it was a whole new environment I didn't know anyone I didn't I mean I knew someone but she wasn't really a consistent friend she kind of up and left whenever it was convenient for her um more than that I think my life was just too much for her and I was just too much for her so she so she really picked and chose when she wanted to like unless we were smoking and hanging out like she didn't really want to but anyways, that's fine. I'm, we're not going to get into that. Anyways, that friendship ended <clears throat> maybe a year later or something. Damn, I've really been talking for so long. I'm losing my voice. It's only been 22 minutes, but I was just on. Anyways. Um, so yeah, that friendship ended. Um, there were a few friendships that I had that had ended that year. And... Um, then I started seeing new psychiatrists, new therapists, all this stuff. Um, and everything changed. They, they put me on the right medication um, to deal with some of the stuff that I'd been diagnosed with after the first year at that school in California. Um And I I struggled. I really struggled to feel like it was working. I wanted everything to work so bad. And now looking back, I can be like part of the reason it didn't was because I was constantly smoking and abusing the things I had. Um every time things got hard, you know, um, which was pretty often because I was not well, um, I'd go and I'd do something and it just wasn't helping me. It was hurting me and it was hurting everyone around me. Um, yeah. So then, um, that December, so at the end of that first semester, my mom, was diagnosed with yet another cancer, and my world shattered again. <laughs> because I was like, why? <laughs> like, we just went through this. And, like, it was literally, it was crazy. It was, like, to the day. Like, I think her first diagnosis for the lung cancer, uh, her diagnosis was December 14th, and she got it removed on December 28th. And uh, for the breast cancer, her mammogram was December 14th and her 
diagnosis for their breast cancer was December 28th. And then... And then, like, she had to go through so much shit, bro. Um, Surgery. Second surgery, because they didn't get it out the first time. Chemo. Radiation. Um, She'd just been through so much. And no one says this, but, like, I think everyone kind of has an idea. Like, when someone in your family has a health issue, not only is it a toll for them, it's a toll for everyone in that family. And um, I really struggled with that one. That one really hit me. Because um, I was going through my own stuff. I mean, I'm always going through my own stuff. Aren't we all? Aren't we all always going through our own stuff? But um, I really was taking my mom's thing really hard. Because I was just so tired. I was so tired from the first cancer. Um the lung cancer I was just emotionally and physically exhausted and exerted and again I just kept smoking I kept smoking I kept vaping I kept drinking um and I could see the toll it took on my family they all knew at that point I had told them and it was really hard it was really hard for them. It was really hard for them to understand. It was really hard for them to to deal with. Uh, I can't, I'll never imagine or be able to understand what they went through. Um, having a daughter who was an addict, that's not something I'll ever get. And the sacrifices they made, um, the peace of mind that they lost and the trust that they lost in me. Um, and part of this is also like, you know, you might be thinking, why is this such a big deal? Culturally and religiously, it's a huge deal. It's an insane deal. I really did things that they had the option to not forgive me for um, and not be there for me through. But they always chose to be there. They always chose to support me, and they always chose to advocate for me to take care of myself and get better and um it had gotten bad to the point where I didn't even realize that I had a drinking problem I wouldn't admit that I had a smoking weed problem I knew I had a vaping problem because that that one had really taken like control of my life um you know like the hitting it (laughs) in class hitting it on the plane hitting it first thing when you wake up last thing before you go to bed all the time every everything my vape was my best friend which is so pathetic I know but very honestly addiction is pathetic and I'm saying that as a freaking addict like it's it's pathetic I did not have enough strength in myself to be able to look at myself and be like get over it deal with the shit that's going on in your life I didn't want to do that because I had taught myself that it was easier to not deal at all than to address anything that was affecting me in any negative way um and then I also learned to celebrate things with my addictions and like When you mix those things up, it's just like, what part of your life is sober? What part of your life are you actually living? It got to the point where in school, I was, I could see my mental (laughs) decline where like, I felt really stupid a lot. Um, I didn't feel like I had a good control of myself. I didn't like emotionally, um, I didn't feel like I could think clearly. I didn't feel like I could remember things that happened the week before, a couple days before. I just, my memory was shot. And my, my sanity was a whole other thing. But like, yeah, I was not taking care of myself. And then, you know, my mom had her chemo. She had her radiation. And I was just, like, in the back of my mind wondering. I was like, did I do all this to her? 
was like being around me, which I know is probably, you know, irrational thinking, but like, was being around someone who was smoking all the time, hitting my vape, like, in my room or in the house or blah. Was that, did that do it? Did that set her off physically? Um, so then one day in August, I'd gotten this new job and I made a couple friends there who also did everything that I was doing. And I was so excited. I was like, we're going to be smoking buddies. We're going to, you know, hang out. We're going to whatever I was trying to convince myself of. And then one day I went over to one of their houses. I had some dabs. I smoked. I had a glass of wine that morning. I was hitting my vape all day. And then I was just like, that's it. I am done. I am really done. And and I was. I was just sick and tired of not having control of myself, of not having control of my life, of going in and out of relationships, friendships, disturbing the peace with my family, affecting my relationship with my family. I was really not enjoying the person that I was and the person that I was to be around for everyone else I didn't like her I didn't I didn't think she was like worthy of the respect or the control of sobriety I didn't think she deserved it I didn't think she could do it so then I just decided to try and prove myself wrong and for 55 days, I did, you know. Um, it was really hard. The first couple weeks, bro, I could feel myself losing it. Um, I was really not good. I was so not good. I was so emotionally on edge all the time because I cold turkeyed everything because I had been trying for months to, like, wean myself off to whatever. Whenever I tried to wean myself off, I would just be looking forward to those sweet spot moments where I could take a hit, where I could go smoke a bowl, where I could have a drink. And part of the reason at the time that I had decided to quit drinking was because when I drink, my inhibitions are lowered and I want to smoke. Now I can look back and be like, and also it's not a good thing to mix with the mental health issues I have and the meds that I'm on. Um, but at the time, my reasoning was, when I drink, I want to smoke. I don't want to smoke, so I'm not going to drink. Um, and the first two weeks, I did some, I did some shit. I was, I was actually in Greece on a trip, and for, like, in week two. I think I was, like, six, no, week one, actually. I was six days sober. We went to Greece. I was there for 10 days, so it was week one into week two, and I did some shit. I went and I got a lip tattoo impulsively with a girl I just met at a tattoo parlor. It disappeared after a day, so <laughs> I was pissed, and I got a full-ass refund because I literally threatened to <laughs> to give them terrible reviews. Um, and yeah, so I got my money back, and then I got a tattoo I loved, um, I did a full body fish spa, which is like where you let all the fish, all these like flesh eating fish, like eat your dead skin. So like I literally <laughs> got naked in this private room with these fish in a pool and I just let them eat my skin. <laughs> like it was, it was kind of a weird experience, but it was also awesome and I'm so happy I did it. Um, but yeah. I did some stuff. I was definitely moody as fuck, which is something that's crazy for me to say because I literally have a mood disorder, <laughs> but I was moody as fuck. A lot of ups and downs there. The highs were high. The lows were low. 
Um, and then we got back, and that's when shit got real hard. Because although the cravings and stuff died down, I realized that, oh my god, please don't tell me. Okay, <sighs> sorry. My computer just shut off because this has literally been going for 30 minutes. Um, okay, yeah, so that's when the real shit started because I got back and I realized that this was going to be my first semester and my last semester of college. Um, but my first semester of college, first semester of school since I was 14, completely sober. So a full eight years, seven and a half, eight years later, I decided to tackle academia sober. <laughs> and I did not know how to do that. I don't know how to do that. I'm learning how to do that. It's crazy. And um, more than that, you realize that a lot of the relationships and friendships that you had were not real. They were really rooted in your addiction. Um, a lot of people will not like you sober. They won't be able to handle you sober. It's a tough realization, but it's also pretty, uh, it's really real. It just gives you perspective, like, who's actually here for me and who's here for my vape, who's here to get me to buy the milk, who's here for me to smoke up, like, those are not the people that you want to have at your wedding. Not that I'm getting married anytime soon. But my that my point is, like, you can't rely on those people. Because those people are temporary. And actually a lot of people in your life are temporary. But sobriety has definitely made me realize that much better than when I wasn't sober. I was a huge, and I still am to some extent, but I was a huge people pleaser when I wasn't sober. Um, and when I say I still am, I mean, like, that's just something I gotta work on. But when I wasn't sober, my whole thing was, it doesn't matter how I'm doing, let's make sure everyone around me is great. And truly, I was doing so poorly that I was numbing myself every day. <laughs> um, the trauma really, like, <laughs> was not dealt with. And um, now that I... <sighs> August, like I said, August 13th was the start date. October 5th, I had... An argument with people I thought were friends who then later turned out to say that they did not respect me as human as a human being um, well specifically one of them said I don't respect you as a human being you have a victim complex and uh, you self-sabotage and then I started to cry at one point and he said here comes the crocodile tears so it's just like it's <laughs> that it was I I was really affected by this um, but at that point that wasn't even the day that that happened. October 5th was the day that he disrespected me in front of our entire um, club that we run. And so he did that. And I was really affected. And I texted in our eboard group chat, like, hey, can we talk about this? Totally ignored me. But I was really, really pissed off about this. It affected me in a serious way. And so I went and I threw my sobriety out the window and I said, all right, let's have some drinks. Let's, and then once the drinks came, it was let's smoke some weed. Let's hit your jewel. And um, it really escalated and it was bad. And, um, and it wasn't his fault. That was my decision. That was completely my decision to let myself fall back into bad habits but I'm going to be so fucking for real with you. I needed the relapse. I needed the lapse for me to realize that it just isn't worth it. It wasn't worth it. I felt so 
fucking terrible the next day. It was unbelievable. Like, I was back to square one, and um, it just wasn't worth it. And it was completely my decision to do that. I could not blame him for that. I could say that I was triggered, but my problem was not him triggering me. My problem was not being able to deal with that trigger and to not be able to learn how to better deal with myself in those moments um, where I feel like I have no other option. I always have another option. I'm just shutting that option up and not addressing what I could be doing. So... I mean, it only got worse from there. Like, we had those meetings, and it was a mediated discussion when he said that all that stuff about not respecting me as a human being. And I found out the entire e-board hates me, blah, whatever. These are all people, though, that I used to, like, hang out with, and I used to smoke with, and I used to, you know, vibe with. And, um, I don't know. Everything changed when I went sober. I can't say that that's why everything changed, but the reasoning that I can put behind it is, like, I'm a different person than I was three, four months ago. I'm a completely different person, and I'm still figuring out who that person is. I really, I don't know her, I don't recognize her, but in the best way. Like, who I was three, four months ago is not someone I was proud of, um, was not someone I cared about, was not someone who stood up for herself the way I stand up for myself now, um who really let mistreatment happen and thought I deserved it. And I think the thing was, as soon as I changed, and I still am, I'm still changing, but as soon as I started to change who I was, people started dropping like flies, um, either because they weren't getting out of me what they used to get out of me, or because they didn't like the person I was without the masking, without the numbing. And that's okay. It just means we weren't compatible. But it hits a different way, right? To be like, damn, my real self, people don't like her. That's rough. That's really rough to look at your life and be like, damn, so-and-so is left. These per These people just like... There are people that have left my life because they're like, your life is too depressing. There are people who have left my life because they're like, you know, you got so many issues. There are people that have left my life for a period and then come back. And I'm still learning how to navigate that. But in the moments when I've needed people, like throughout my mom's illness, I can name the people who were like there actually checking in on me or like being there for me on my hand um on one hand just puts a lot into perspective right about about who's there when you need them and why none of these people that were like temporary in my life um were ever there for those moments because when shit got hard they did what I did which was run the only difference is I don't have the option to run from my life anymore because I'm not numbing myself that was my way of running and now I am just dealing I'm really I, I hate to use this terminology, but this is the terminology I've been using since I went sober, so I'm going to use it. I have been raw-dogging life, and it fucking is a hard. Oh, my God. No one, there's, no, there's no manual for this, although there is, actually. I, <laughs> there is. <laughs> there is a manual for it. A little bit. Um, my second day of sobriety, though, after uh. I think it was August 14th, August 15th. It was a Tuesday. Let's check and see which day it was because it matters. Um, August 15th. August 15th. So August 15th, I went to my first recovery meeting. My friend 
um, who recently entered my life. Um, again, we were childhood friends, but she, she came back. Um, she took me to my first recovery meeting, and that is something I cannot say any other one of my friends or people in my life have ever offered or I have felt would be interested in doing for me. Um, maybe that's just my perception, but she actively was like, hey, you're, you're thinking about a recovery meeting? Let's just go. Like, look up one tonight. Let's go. And we did. And it was so hard. Um, especially because that night there was like, <laughs> there was another girl who was there who was really triggering me. But, um, but it was actually good to be there and be able to help her the way that I wish someone would be helping me. And I made this recovery group a thing. I now go either in person or Zoom in online every Tuesday. And it's so fucking wonderful for me. I have a support group. That's not just my family. That's more than just the temporary and the hopefully consistent people in my life. Um, I have an actual group of people who know what addiction is like. And it's not AA. It's not NA. It's not whatever. It's... um. It's called smart recovery and it's literally the best thing I've done for myself in the past year besides getting sober <laughs> to begin with um but they have a handbook a smart recovery handbook and that has definitely been something I have been trying to use to help me get through this chapter I that's so fucking corny to say but this this new chapter in my life because I literally for the past seven eight years have just not been here for it I just haven't really known what's going on what's been going on um I've just been existing and not very well if I may say so myself um so the smart recovery handbook has been helpful it's like 10 bucks you can get it on Amazon or the website or whatever if you're interested um, I see my therapist, like, every week now. Um, I'm on a new treatment for my depression because going sober definitely brought out the mental health issues that I had been, uh, not so very well numbing for so long. Um, my medication sorted out one of the things. One of those serious things was, like, pretty managed. But um, the depression, anxiety really peaked when I went sober. Got really bad. So um, I started a new treatment recently. I'm only, like, two weeks in. Um, and as that's being treated, the personality disorder's coming out. It's a whole thing, guys. It's, I am a case. I'm literally a medical marvel as to how I'm 22 and still here because, like, I mean, I know people have it worse. I'm not stupid. I know that there are people who have it worse. But there have just been so many days throughout the sobriety, throughout the past, oh my god, nine, ten, eleven years? No, ten years, ten years. Throughout the past ten years where I've just not wanted to do it, I've just not wanted to live, which is maybe too real for this podcast, but it's like part of the reason for my addiction was not wanting to deal with my shit, and that kind of means not wanting to live it. I didn't want to live it. I didn't want to do it. So I, di I didn't. I really didn't. I was absent for a long time in my life. That's what I call those periods of time in my life where I was not sober. I was absent because I just, I couldn't deal. I, I didn't deal, I should say. I, I could have if I really wanted to, but I didn't want to. I didn't think it or me or anything was worth it um anyways so I did my thing I um <sighs> I 
I made the changes. I uh, had the laps. I go to my weekly meetings. I have my family's support, which is so constant and wonderful, and I'm so lucky. Um, but there are still good days and bad days, as with anyone and anything. Sobriety is not a linear process. They literally say lapses and relapses are a part of recovery. The thing is, if you keep making the same mistake, it's like it's like mistakes are a part of learning, right? But if you keep making the same mistakes over and over again, then are you even learning from them? Are you even growing? And I think that this is one mistake that I've... I really made in my life. And I'm actively trying to learn and grow from. So. That's what I'm doing now. And uh, I have my people. I have some people. I find new people. But... Um, before I can really be there for others the way I want to, I need to be there for me. And that means getting the depression, anxiety in check, getting the personality disorder in check, and doing the work. I gotta do the work that I put off doing for so long. And I gotta change these behaviors that I've taught myself because they're just not working. They're hurting me. They're hurting the people around me. It makes it hard to function. Um, but you put in the work and you see results, right? So, which I did not always believe. But, you know, I've been in this new treatment for like two weeks and I do see an improvement. I see an improvement in my mood, generally. I see a difference in me that was not there a different kind of hope that was not there a month ago i'm learning i think i think we're all learning right and we all go at different paces and different places and different process for everyone and I think everyone has to go through their own ups and downs before they can come to the realization of when or if it's a good idea for them to get sober I am honestly a huge advocate for it because I feel like I have more control of my life now than I ever did um more control of myself now um my anxiety has gone down so much I'm actually letting my meds treat me rather than self-medicating and fucking shit up for myself. Um, how I handle situations is different. How I treat my relationships is different. How I treat myself is different. My self-respect is, is so much greater than it was before everything I just got to give myself a pat on the back where it's due, you know? Like, I I think I've made significant progress, and I'll continue to make that progress, but it is... Ugh, fucking hate how corny this is. It is a journey. <laughs> it's a fucking journey. Um, such is life. Um, but you learn. You grow. You be a better person tomorrow than you were yesterday. You know? Or a better person than you were today. I mean, there's always room for improvement, in my opinion. I definitely needed a lot of it. But, and I'm not, like, perfect. I'm really not. I'm far, far from that. But it's a learning curve. And I'm, like, literally redefining and reintroducing myself to the world. Because I just don't know who... I am without these things, which is sad on my part because I let it get to the point where I can't recognize myself sober, but it's true, and now I'm learning to walk and crawl and wait, backtrack. I'm learning to crawl <laughs> first and then walk 
and then talk and all these things. It's like it's like being a baby again. You just don't know how to exist. And I'm learning. And school is by far the hardest thing that I've had to deal with while I've been dealing with, um, not dealing with, while I've been going through the recovery process. People, sometimes people think it's really stupid. Like, oh, you're recovering from vaping and weed and drinking. Like, no, yeah, I am. Because it, I can't recognize who I was during that, after that, before that. I can't recognize her. She's, that's my dog coughing in the background. I'm so sorry. Because this is getting so deep. And he's literally hacking along. Anyways. But. I I'm understanding differently than I did. I am reacquainting myself with God Pierre. Pierre and you're fucking yakking. Hacking, I should say. He's not throwing up at all. He's just hacking up a lung. Um but I'm reintroducing, reacquainting myself with with life, teaching myself how to live it, and it's a process, and I'm doing it, but I go to meetings on Tuesdays, I surround myself with the right people, I'm actively, I go to my things that I need to, my treatments, my therapy sessions, everything, I'm just, just trying to be better, do better, be happier, enjoy the life that I have because you never know when it might go away I think my mom's sickness was a huge eye opener for me and you would think that it, I would have gotten it the first time with the lung cancer but nope it took it took two different kinds of cancer for me to fucking get over myself and say hey make a change do something that's hard for for once instead of being comfortable in the self-pity and the sadness and the anger um so I'm working on that I'm working on that I'm working on me I'm working on my relationships I think more than anything what I'm learning is that you never stop growing there's never going to be a point in my life where I'm going to sit and be like, okay, I'm done. Okay, I've been sober for this long. I need to, I don't need to worry about it anymore. No. Every single day, I make the choice to stay sober, to not hit a vape, to not go buy a vape, to not have a drink, to not smoke a bowl, to not go buy myself edibles. Every day is the choice that I'm making, and that's my choice to make. And as soon as I give in, I lose that control that I have of myself. So it's my choice what I do and what I don't. I can't blame it on anyone else. I can't sit here and say my family, specifically, my sister, is the reason for my addiction. She's not. She's not. And the friends in my life are not the reason for my lapsing no it's it's all the root causes me and I need to fix my issues rather than project them on to other people because I'm never gonna be happy sitting here saying oh I did this because of this person it's like that's I'm just not taking responsibility at that point and that itself is pathetic behavior. Um, nah, you gotta take responsibility. You gotta be like, yeah, this is this is my problem. You just take control of it. Take control of your life. Because that's all I'm trying to do. <sighs> Finally be in control of myself. Anyways, I've been talking for about an hour now and I think that that's a good place for me to stop um but yeah this is the episode one of son of shit show series 
and uh, episode one on sobriety. And um, who knows, maybe we'll do another one if y'all like it or, you know, tune in next week for next week's episode. Have a good one, guys. Good night.